0: This is the Get Greater podcast, maximising finances for university students thanks to the University of Newcastle and Greater Bank. This is the
1: Get Greater
0: podcast. General advice in this podcast has been prepared without considering your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any advice, consider its appropriateness. Consider the relevant disclosure documents which include product disclosure statements for any financial products and seek advice from a licensed financial advisor to decide what is right for you. Whilst we cannot give you any specific advice, here are some examples that may help you gain a better understanding of banking so you can make better choices. Hello, and welcome to the Get Greater podcast, a podcast that discusses all things finance. My name is Blake, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, University of Newcastle Finance Ambassadors, Eamon and Paul. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Great to be here, Blake. Today, we're discussing a very complex topic of personal taxation. This will be a part one of two in our podcast series on personal taxation, so please tune in to part two. So, we'll kick off. What are some of the main aspects of the Australian income tax system?
2: Yeah, great question. So, Australia currently has a progressive tax system and that's known as an equitable system and so the highest income earners pay the most tax and the lowest earners pay the least amount of tax. That differs from around the world. So, Australia, we're very lucky here in Australia that that's the system that we have. So, currently, the Australian government raises 81% of total tax revenue and the rest is raised by the states and, of course, the local governments. And 39% of that revenue comes from personal income tax. And the financial year runs from the 1st of July to the 30th of June of the following year.
1: Yeah, so the Australian tax system works on a principle of self-assessment. So therefore, all the information is generally supplied by the taxpayer to the ATO. And then the ATO then usually accepts your return being lodged. However, the ATO can, if it believes there is an error provide a period of review for the return and possibly increase or decrease the amount of tax payable from
0: that review. It's good to know that the tax system is equitable and also people will need to understand that it is a principle of self-assessment so you are responsible. However, what actually is a tax return?
1: Yeah, so a tax return is documentation filed with the ATO that reports your income, deductions and any other relevant information to the possible expenditure or income that you're receive during the year. In Australia, as we mentioned before, submitting your tax return is your responsibility. So to make a tax return, you must have a tax file number. These tax file numbers are provided by the ATO and is your personal number that remains with you throughout your entire life. TFNs are free and
2: can be applied through the ATO. And it's really important to keep a record of the TFN. And you'll need it when you're lodging your tax return and when you're even going for a job. So, really important to keep a record of that TFN. Yeah, I do know your tax
0: file number comes up when you need it most. Do I need to lodge a tax return?
2: Yeah, so, for most people, yes. So, if you earn above $18,200 or have tax withheld or had a pay-as-you-go payment deducted from your wage then you've got to file a tax return. And this must be submitted by October 31st.
0: Rate and review us. It doesn't cost a cent. Do it now, wherever you listen. So you've mentioned pay-as-you-go. What exactly is PAYG and how does it affect my tax return?
1: Yes, so pay-as-you-go or PAYG is the main system in Australia for withholding income tax from individuals. What happens is an employer will collect on your behalf a -A PAYG withholding amount which helps pay for the tax liabilities which will occur in the future of that employee. The system reduces any possibility of large tax bills being payable at the end of financial year and it also means that individuals don't have to worry about leaving aside a part of their wage themselves to pay for the tax liability that will occur at the end of the financial year. So, the system has been set up to make sure that employers take out an appropriate amount of tax at each wage period and to make sure that at the end of the financial year, employees will have to pay nil to the tax office or receive a refund for excess tax paid.
2: And it's almost a method of your tax being put on autopilot and your employer automatically pays that tax. And yeah, as Paul was saying, it's a really good system. Yeah, no one would want to have a large tax coming tax time. Now,
0: what level of documentation does an individual need?
1: Yeah, so documentation is really important, especially if the ATO does ask for an investigation into your tax return. You do need to have supporting documentation for everything that you put in your tax return. So there are numerous categories of expenses and deductions which will need supporting documentation. There are three main categories that you should keep records of, and they are payments you receive, expenses that relate to your earning, your employment income, and expenses that relate to other payments you receive or make. So I'll go through some examples for them now. Payments you receive, some examples may be your salary, wage, and allowances paid by your employer. Any government benefits or pensions that you may receive during the year. Any other pensions or annuities that you may receive. This is obviously mainly looking at older people in the super system as well. And any possible income from interest, dividends, any managed funds, or the big one is rent from rental properties. Some expenses now that are relating to your employment income and the documentation you'll need is any possible claims against car expenses, any claims against travel expenses, any claims if you're in an industry where you have a a uniform, so any clothing, laundry and dry cleaning, any phone and internet that you use as part of your job, working from home is a big one, so and a little bit difficult to try and document that, but if you can try and document any excess costs caused by you working from home any self-education and study expenses, and you need to make sure you keep records for any depreciating assets that you may have.
2: Yeah. So, and expenses that relate to other payments you receive or make include rental expenses, acquiring an asset or disposing of an asset, gifts, donations and contributions, and disability aids, attendant care or aged care expenses, which is becoming more and more prevalent these days. And the ATO recommends that you maintain these records for five years in case of any further adjustments which can be made by the ATO on previous returns and uh, any investigations that they undertake. In our next podcast, we'll go through the different sections that make up a tax return and further explain what you need to know.
0: Save a stab. Drop us an email to tell us what you want to learn about your finances. Finance Academy at newcastle.edu.au. Well, there seems to be a lot of documentation that needs to be kept on record. To be honest with you, I don't know... If- If anyone honestly has kept all of that, like, amount of records for the last five years. Now, what are some of the potential penalties if you're not keeping record
2: or if you're providing incorrect information or engaging in tax evasion? As I'm sure our listeners can appreciate, tax is complicated. It is important to be as accurate as possible when lodging your tax return so you can avoid any penalties or fines that you may face. So, individuals should aim to reduce their tax bill and that's perfectly understandable why they would want to do that, but that must be done within the law. So, there are two main concerns surrounding exceeding the boundaries of the law and they are tax avoidance and tax evasion, which I'm sure the listeners may have heard of. So tax avoidance involves arrangements within the law that make the taxpayer outside the scope of what the tax legislation intends. To combat this, the government has introduced anti-tax avoidance provisions, which were established to reduce the accessibility of tax avoidance. So key things in the legislation include rejecting sham transactions. So that might include family transactions aimed at moving income to a lower earning family member to pay overall less tax breach of specific anti-avoidance provisions and even creation of a tax scheme whose sole or dominant purpose was to obtain a tax benefit. And they're quite complicated systems, those second two, that don't really relate to students, but are definitely things to keep in mind in the future. Yeah, and really important to keep in
1: mind that We mentioned with the sham transactions that about family transactions, a lot of family transactions are 100% legal. However, there are some very clever people out in the world who will deliberately try and find loopholes in tax legislation and create transactions. It's really about creating transactions that in real life don't exist, but exist. the benefit of obtaining a tax benefit out of. So the other key one is tax evasion and this is where a liability to pay tax is willfully concealed or ignored and it is a criminal offence against the Commonwealth. So therefore the Commonwealth can charge you and send you to jail for severe tax evasion. Three main consequences for tax evasion. The first one is you become liable for any of the unpaid tax, which is known as a tax shortfall. The second one is you can be subject to additional tax, which is penalty, on top of the tax shortfall. And you can also be subject to interest on any unpaid balances that may occur. So there's two types of penalties. The first one is a tax shortfall penalty and this occurs when tax liabilities have been avoided. So they may have used one of the tax schemes that we mentioned in the tax avoidance or they may have said that they only earned $60,000 a year when they earned one hundred and twenty. that sort of thing. There's two main sort of things. There, are The penalties are applied as an additional percentage on the tax shortfall amount, and this starts from 75%, which is for intentional disregard, or 25% which is no reasonable care or no reasonably arguable position. The second type of penalty, a little bit more simple, are the non-shortfall penalties and these are things like failure or late lodgement, false statements, failure to keep records or possibly obstructing an ATO officer in their investigations. And these penalties are expressed in terms of penalty units
0: where one unit equals $222. Can be a hefty fine, right? That one, but. Hopefully, today has been useful and has provided some basic information to help you with your personal tax journey. For more information, go to the Australian Tax Office website which is www.ato.gov.au. In our next podcast, we will be explaining how to complete your tax return and we'll also be going through getting information required to complete your tax return. Make sure you catch up on all our other podcast episodes in the Get Greater series, including part two on personal taxation to further help your financial understanding. Thank you, Paul and Eamon, for today and we'll see you in the next one. This is the Get Greater podcast. If you like this podcast, invest in listening to our others. There's a lot more to learn.